Does somebody have I Love Lucy on in the background? No, somebody's watching Cartoon Network KO, OK KO or something. Yeah, I don't. I don't really have a room where I get actual light. Oh, really? <laughs> That's awesome. That's like a. That's a kind of rebellious podcasting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's usually my vibe. Yo, <laughs> I'm here to break things down. I like it. Yeah. So, uh, hello, welcome to. I was like, shoot the piano player. What's this new season called? It's yeah, dark habits, dark man. Habituals. There we go. Dark habits and El Motivar podcast, and uh, this is the fourth recording, maybe fourth episode. Who knows? I haven't even. It's too early to de- to even determine yet. But um, yes, this is an episode on El Pico one and two, because they're Spanish movies. Uh, there's a queer connection to these movies, and uh, uh. I got the Blu-ray uh, uh, last year, uh, Blind Buy, and I fell in love with the three movies on the, on the Blu-ray set, and I want an excuse to talk about them. So I found... Uh, oh, yeah, Joel's here, is here, too, right? I guess. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and there are two people on here that I know this is kind of their vibe, these kinds of movies. It's <laughs> the second appearance, I think, of Movies from Hell. You two. I, yeah, I think uh, I think we just did the uh, uh, Trans Europe Express with you. Is that right, Dan? That sounds right. That didn't sound very confident. Well, all, all of a sudden, uh, you know, I, I have a bad memory, and I'm like, no, we've done a bunch of these, but then I'm realizing it's been Spencer on our show. You know, we didn't come on this fancy podcast and talk about joysticks. That was on our ridiculous <laughs> yeah. podcast. It, it actually feels like it might fit into this season. <laughs> yeah, it would actually. <laughs> All right. Uh, you guys, well, first off, how do you guys hear about El Pico movies? I have to go put something away because the cat will eat my food if I leave it out. <laughs> Is that like the subtitle of the second one? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Br- Bradley, why don't you answer that? Because you're the one who kind of turned me on to uh, to these flicks. Uh, as far as uh, uh, answering, I did not hear the question. I'm sorry. I, I was. I had to prevent how'd my you, cat you hear from eating a, from eating my foot. <laughs> how did you first hear about the El Pico films, and how did you get into them? I, uh, God, the first I heard of them actually, I I swear to God, it was on Shutter. Yeah, and I was, um, I was, uh, God, it was, I think it was when I was down for the count with my, uh, with my recent uh, medical thing where I had to get surgery and I was, uh, that, you know what though, Dan, I see that as a blessing, mm. the, the, the period with uh, pre-surgery, surgery and recovery, uh, because it, it enabled the world to get several episodes of Hey Dan. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I heard about that one. Yeah. They were, uh, they're great episodes, actually. Uh, yeah. Let's not go too far. Yeah, no, they were. I, I, I enjoyed them when I was suffering on my deathbed. 
I, I, they got, they got me through it, Dan. You're, you're like my, you're like my little baby Jesus. <laughs> that helped me get through my trouble, my troubles and tribulations. Well, yeah, uh, that makes me happy. That's touching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, I, uh, I'm like, this is an unusual thing for the shutter to have on, right? And I wanted to I wanted to dive into some fucked up uh, horror movies, but I'm like, oh. And then I I watched the very first one I watched was Cannibal Man, mm. and I fell in love with it. You know you know how much how big of a fan I am of Cannibal Man, Dan. Yes. Yeah, we did an episode on Murder in the Blue World, uh, Cannibal Man. And what was the third one? The uh, get, didn't hear the scream. Uh, the one yes. where they uh, put the, he the throws the with the kill. Yeah, yeah, he throws the body into the uh, elevator shaft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, those are the ones we talked about on our show. But I also watched the uh, El Pico films, and they didn't have everything from Iglesia on there. But after I watched the uh, five or so films they had on Iglesia. On Shutter, and they're still up there, by the way, for you listeners. Um, the I dove into a bunch of other uh, Iglesia films, mm-hmm. and so far I've enjoyed every single one of them, with a mild exception. It, I still enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it as much of, as the others, which is uh, Caligas. Oh, okay, I, I, didn't, I didn't watch that one. Yeah, I just just watched it. That was kind of the. There's a few early ones from him that I want to see, but uh, I immediately uh, felt, uh, you know, at, when you see something and you almost like feel like some sort of ownership over it, you know. Whereas like at your film, like at Blue Velvet, for example, when when I originally saw that movie as a mm-hmm. youngster, I was like, okay. It's like the movie just, the, like, every th- single thing about it spoke to me. Like, if I were rating this film on Letterboxd, Dan, I would have given it the maximum amount of stars. Not like some people I know who gave it less than the maximum amount of stars. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, Blue Velvet. But anyways, when I, uh, when I watch Cannibal Man, it's like, uh, it's just everything about it uh, felt like it was, it was a me movie. You know, gotcha. it's a movie made for me, kind of. Because it's just like, I don't know. I, I, you just really can't explain things. Like, I'm sure Spencer feels the same way about Joysticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that's a perfect film. It's classic cinema. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's, so it's just one hit after another. And same thing, like, uh, a lot of Spanish directors, uh, uh, La Raz, uh, I feel uh, very... Uh, connected to that, his movies as well for some reason. So I like the, uh, I, I do like the fringy Spanish directors, and some of the more, uh, some of the less fringy, uh, less fringy Spanish directors I have uh, yet to really dive into. Believe it or not, I haven't seen a ton of Boonwell. Oh, uh, you should watch Boonwell. He's good. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, and and, and, then, and Bradley, if you act up in this episode, I'm gonna call Chris. Uh, uh, 
Thunderbird. You mean you're going to call Chris Thunderbird? <laughs> yeah. What? Why? Why are you going to call Chris Thunderbird? In case he racked up, you know. If, if <laughs> I, I, I listened to the Razorback episode, I know what happened. <laughs> um. Okay. Oh, what episode? Okay. okay uh, what do you? I don't like that. What do, what do you mean by act up? I won't do it. I won't do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I won't call Chris. He's, he's busy. You know what? You can call him and tell him I want to give him a big hug because I love Chris Funderburg. He's one of my too. favorite people on, on the, on the, on the uh, film Twitters. Yeah, and in real life too, but I've never, I've never seen him in person. I've never seen any fucking buddy in person that I oh, talked to on, this, I, on the, the podcast. I've met Chris in person. Yeah, it, yeah and it's, I'm jealous of this fact. But for both you and Chris, because I would like to meet you in person too, too sometimes. Yeah, so give, you a big, give you a big, big hug at, uh, because of uh, the traumatic experience that you <laughs> spent as a young man with the wasp nest in the corner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was... It, you know, we're not going to get derailed this early on. I can't get into that story. <laughs> <laughs> it's too early. Yeah. Well, uh, Dan, uh, your first, and now what was your first experience? Uh, did you already talk about this? Was I not paying attention? <laughs> no. No, and I I really just followed your lead on, I had knew nothing about uh, Eloy de la Iglesia uh, prior to you, you know, talking about Cannibal Man and then El Pico. And you, you know, you got on these kicks and you were definitely like uh, super obsessed and so, you know, when any time that you you start really talking about stuff, I maybe have, I kind of pay attention. That'll yeah, it, yeah, it's uh, yeah. There's, you know, it's like it's kind of the opposite with you when you recommend <laughs> things. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I like I like things that you uh, get excited about as well. And I and I do, except Cocoon, Dan. I couldn't. I I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to rewatch that when you were talking about it on the inter- interwebs. No. No. <laughs> no you're, you're, you, you were not a Gutenberg uh, disciple? I, I'm a Gutenberg disciple for sure. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just, I'm old enough where Cocoon would just be disturbing at this, at this oh, time okay, in my I life. Get it. Yeah. Point in my life, yeah. <sighs> so. Uh, what about you, Joel? Where where did you uh, hear about Inglesia? You're asking me about the director? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yes. I'm not familiar. I did not look into any of this. Uh, this season is going to be very... Spencer tells me what it is, and I watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like, good. Yeah. Now, which uh, which uh, of the Inglesia movies did, did you watch? I'm curious. So I, Yeah, I only got to watch El Pico. Um, it, that's I, I watched that on Shutter, so it's still mm. on there. And part two. Okay, um, so you watched uh, you just watched the first El Pico. Yes. And uh, that's if you I I think really if you watch only one movie of his, it's probably El Pico. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just stop right there, Joel. You don't need to watch any more <laughs> Iglesia films. I, I would have said El Pico or Nava, Navajeros. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think uh, uh, I almost uh, f- find Navajeros. Uh, what, is it, what did you call it? 
I thought it sounded like Yethers. Yethers, because isn't J a Y sound? Yes. I've seen the. Yeah. I don't know anything. But can I get. Is it okay? Is it. it okay, is this one of the rules where you're going to tell Chris Funderberg if I don't pronounce things correctly? <laughs> I mean, I think Chris knows some Spanish, so yes. Uh, no. I, I have no problem with people mispronounce things, but I'll, I will pronounce them right if I can. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to emphasize anyone else has to follow me. All right. Well, so the uh, Navalleros, then. If, if you watch one, if you were either one of those, I would say it'd be great. And you get the whole, like, uh, all right, see, now now you got me uh, on pronunciation. Can I just call it, can I just call it the Outsiders? Because it reminds me of the Outsiders. It, it's oh, it basically, does, yeah. It's basically the Outsiders, but edgy. Yeah. Now, what are these, in Spanish, what are these films called? Uh, Ken Kui? Okay. Oh kinky? no! I think you're smelling uh, spelling that. Uh, it's kinky. Kinky. That's... Kinky. Kinky. Um, I, I was call, I was saying kinky, but then I saw a uh, corrected pronunciation of kinkies. Okay. Well, uh, Joel, it's Q U I N Q U I in Spanish. So, what, what's the right way to say it? Kinky. Kinky. Why not? No, I mean, I don't. Q doesn't have an unusual sound to it, so. Oh. So maybe, you know, quick, quick. But I like it better the other way. Yeah, I know. Okay. It's, it's fucking kinky, everybody. I'm telling you the <laughs> truth. <laughs> hey, I got no room to stand on with my opinion. I know I live in Spanish. Uh, more, I think, everyone here. Probably. I mean, your dad is a Spanish teacher. Yeah, but we've been over this. He didn't teach any of the kids Spanish. Okay. He worked about you know okay. hours a day. It might be uh, it might be kinky because uh, it's uh, I thought it was a pronunciation, and it's actually just a different name for it: cine kinky or cine kinky. Queen uh-huh. like that. Yeah. Whatever uh, Joel said. Is it possible you're talking about Quiznos? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, these I, are I, kind of... I like those little Quiznos, the fucked up little Quiznos characters. Those guys are funny. Oh, the thing from 20 years ago? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'd know how to pronounce ki- Kinke. <laughs> uh, yeah, when you were a young man of 30 something. Yeah. Yeah, my my daughter and I used to watch those. So it was pretty, it was fun. That's, yeah, those are good times. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the th- this whole genre is basically, I'd say it's sim- kind of similar to Pinky Violence a little bit, minus where Pinky Violence is built around, uh, right, uh, being sleazy and kind of gross. Where these are like gross with a purpose. <laughs> Right, like uh, I was thinking that as well as like, what do they kind of? Rem- it's like uh, the with the political uh, stuff thrown in. I'd say maybe Pasolini or Wakamatsu. Oh yeah, and I see. That. Yeah, yeah. The, but uh, these uh, are more. Uh, these are more like overtly gay. You get more equal opportunity nudity because Japan had. Uh, you know, it, I love Japanese exploitation, but it's also really fucking gross. 
in ways that I can't uh, ignore. Yeah, it depends on how exploitive you get. Yeah. If you just uh, hang in the majority, there's a few very questionable wakamatsus uh, or difficult to watch. But uh, if you hang with his main, his main canon, uh, most of it's very art, arty. You know, so it's like uh, it, any of the questionable stuff is high art, question, questionable stuff. Yeah. Which excuses it. Yeah, yeah, to a degree. But, or, yeah. It, it, whatever. Art is art. It's all up to it, whoever. <laughs> yeah, let's not get into the same conversations that are on Twitter right now. Which I, know, I know, I know, I know. I'll just say <laughs> censorship is bullshit. If you're an adult, you can deal with whatever, whatever you're watching or reading. Just don't be a fucking baby about it. <laughs> you're allowed to self censor as much as you want. Like <laughs> myself, because of the warnings that I got early on about a certain person getting upset with me if I say things incorrectly, I am now self censoring myself. Okay. Yes, but that's perfectly okay. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, so, uh, J-Dog, you watched one movie. Um, yes, what that did was you... Jurassic Park. Yeah, 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 Jurassic Park. You read, you read the book before Saw movie, right? No, 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 no. I read the novelization. Novelization. The novelization <laughs> of the movie Jurassic Park. So, according to my dad, every time I knew a scary part was coming up, I had you know, suddenly had to go to the bathroom. Oh. That's not how I remember it. I remember climbing into the movie and wrestling a velociraptor with my bare hands. <laughs> isn't, now, isn't there a scene where somebody's sitting on a toilet in, in uh, that's Jurassic go- Park? That's ghoulies you're thinking of. No, so in the, like... Uh, <laughs> it's the lawyer. Yeah, that Oh, that the guy. guy from Miami Vice. He plays a Cuban guy on Miami Vice, and he's Jewish that's, in real life. Yeah, that's that's why you would go to the bathroom, because you were hoping that scene would happen to you in real life. There's a fine tradition of Jewish actors playing uh, brown face. So. Yeah. Maybe he's not Jewish. I know he he's not Cuban, but on Miami Vice, he plays a Cuban guy. Mm. It's questionable. Yeah, we're already with the. This, we're all going to get canceled for this discussion already. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, Joel, uh, you watch El Pico one, which yes. I believe translates to the needle, the literal, yes, literal translation. Uh. Well, did did you like it? Did you not like it? What's your what's your what's your opinion of it? Well, I don't know what you thought I would think of it, but I actually liked it a lot. Um, it, I told you that it felt like a, a, a Saturday night uh, or a set, one of those like after-school specials is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Except for it rated our version of it. Mm. But I, I kind of love that. Um, it's like, I know that those actors like actually had lives that were kind of like that yeah the main guy had a real tragic life yeah and I don't know if that's why some of his acting was just you know that's that was the part that reminded me of after school special also 
like a lot of good music throughout, except for that one theme they kept playing at very inappropriate spots. So, like, instead of taking waypoints, that actually mm-hmm. added points to the movie. I like the goof kind of goofy theme because, like, the movie's kind of grim and serious, and I like yeah. that little contrast of like. I feel like it emphasizes how grim and serious like everything else is when you have that kind of goofy theme music. Well, I, I assume that the composer is trying to elicit an emotion, and I think the emotion is, aren't we having a great time, folks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I and, well, you probably predict where that story was going to go from the beginning, but that didn't bother me at all. Yeah, it's not subtle. No. But, uh, no, I didn't imagine a, a, uh, a Tambien style three way at some point, but that happened. No. I mean, they're, they're best friends. Don't all best friends, like, dudes, like, have a three way with a woman at some point? Jesus Christ, Spencer. You told me <laughs> you were my best friend recently, or I was your best friend. So <laughs> I know. What the fuck? <laughs> I, I want to visit you in a few months too. Not anymore. <laughs> Change my fucking address. Okay. Did you just did you just invite us all for a threesome? I don't. <laughs> no. I think that's what he said. But there's no. a, but there's four of us. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> no, I like it, I like four because the likelihood of being the one left out is is there's less of a chance of that. But, like, in my case, when there's four, I'm thinking, like, oh, you know, worst case, they'll couple up. It's just me watching three people have sex. <laughs> That's what I was thinking for myself, yeah. too. Well, uh, and, yeah. and E2 Mama Tambien, is there, uh, do you get frontal penis? Yeah, you do. Oh, you do? Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you've seen E2 Mama Tambien, right? It's been on my Netflix DVD list. Hey, this is the first mention of it this season uh, for, like, you, the past nine or ten years you get uh actually you get to actually see genuine uh semen uh, uh plopping into a pool it's, it's actually quite really? beautiful yeah i i don't remember that yeah it happens you, it's been a while you uh, you might have watched an edited version do you know what? I used to rent a lot of stuff from Blockbuster, so... Oh, yeah. You did. Maybe. Oh, they would have totally uh, cut out the the youngsters jerking off by the pool. See? All right. I got I to gotta rewatch that one. It's, a, it's yeah. an essential part of the story. I think it might be uh, Gail Garcia uh, Bernal's uh, semen. Uh, well, yeah, and uh, the science of sleep, you see his penis. So he's not he's not afraid to be nude on camera. Yeah, but you for those Star Wars fans, you get to see uh Andor's penis. Come on. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Joel, uh you're talking about uh the so uh well, uh I'm not on Letterboxd anymore. Like did did you star rate uh El Pico? Oh yeah, I, I give it four out of five. Like ah. that rating may change over time, especially if I feel like I'm going to watch this one again. Um, hmm. But right right now it's just like that was very solid, and I enjoyed it a lot. So four out of five right now. 
Yeah. And it's not like one of those movies like Repo Man where it's just like that's your movie. That's oh, yeah. the movie. Yeah. Uh what about this? Um yeah, I, uh, I did tell you in a text earlier, but Brad and Dan, I gave them the option, like, uh, uh, we're going to do a L, uh, Eloy, what, what's his name again? Eloy yeah, D- There we go. Uh, episode, and I, I asked them, like, okay, you guys can pick the movies. And I was secretly hoping it'd be Navalleros, because it's the fun, John, like, John Waters one. Well, fun-ish. <laughs> yeah. And then we did they, pick it. I think we picked, uh... Were we picking two? I th- I thought I said El Pico and Navajeros. Navajeros. Or, uh, or maybe I thought you meant El Pico one and two. I can't remember. I I feel like I, I watched feel like all going three through... of those, so I'm I'm yeah. I'm safe. Yeah, I don't yeah, feel like too. going through months of messages. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So El Pico two. Mm-hmm. I liked. Well. I liked it as a movie. I didn't really like it as a sequel. Yeah. Hmm. I, and and I that's one thing that I, I'll... When it's my, my appropriate turn to speak, uh, there is one thing I wanted to share about that as well, as far as the progression of the King K movies from okay. him. Yeah. So, but, but I'm going to wait my turn. I'm, not, I'm practicing not interrupting Dan. <laughs> Especially on other people's podcasts. Yeah, OPP. Yeah. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, so... Uh, okay, well... Uh, okay, first off... this th- These movies are labeled as exploitation. And exploitation, like if you go back to our original meaning, it's like um, it means us exploiting an audience of like, do they do they want romance? Okay, make a make a like, separate romance movies. Exploitation, like that's like, kind of the original uh, meaning of it. Mm-hmm. It's not just Roger Corman stuff. But do do you think this counts as exploitation, or like what what exactly are these movies? Um, I wouldn't. Well. Yeah, you're right. I, I would say if, if going by the original idea, I would say no. Because exploitation movies were meant to get butts in seats and, uh, you know, sell a lot of tickets. So, you know, if people wanted to see sex on the screen, you, you put sex on the screen or horror or, or whatever. I think that these, these movies are too hard-edged to really be classified as exploitation in that way. Um, so, but at the same time, in a broader sense, I, I, would, I would say they're definitely exploitation films in that they uh, depict a, a, a part of society that uh, is lurid, and uh, probably not everybody um, is part of, right? So if if you want to know like what it's like on the on the edge with the the drug addicts and and uh, miscreants of society, 
you might watch the El Pico films and, and get a glimpse of that. So I think in that way it right. puts up against what a lot of exploitation films covered. Right, and exploitation uh, films are pretty broad. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some that are just like titillation for sex or violence. Uh, but then there's the uh, exploitation films like uh, the Ed Wood movies where he would uh, make a movie about the mysterious homosexual or mm. uh, prostitutes, you know, and uh, not necessarily Ed Wood, but those types of movies. Yeah. And uh, uh, the uh, Mondo films as well, you know, where you're watching like forbidden things, you know, uh, so those those movies from the 60s. Uh, so I think in the in that tradition, uh, I think they're exploitation films uh, because trade, they're no. ba- they're basically uh, like uh, uh, microscoping, you know, uh, prostitutes and heroin addicts. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and criminals. You know, so you watch with that kind of like ooh ah, you know, sort of uh, thing. So it is. I think they are exploitation movies. Uh, J Dog, do you have input on this? I don't think I've seen enough exploitation movies to make like a, a real judgment call on that. Well, do you think these movies are exploitive in any way of like, uh, like youth drug culture or like whatever? The only exploitation I really feel like is of the actors themselves. I mean, if it was already a dangerous subject, it's irresponsible to have people that have gone through it be the, you know, replaying parts of their lives. Mm. But otherwise, no, I don't think it's exploitation. Okay. It's just something I think about, given like how, uh, like four of the main cast in these two are, like were like are dead and they were heroin addicts, mm-hmm. so like so they're like these movies feel authentic, but like I mean actually authentic where like, in general movies, are authentic only to a point because, it's a movie it's it's, it like it can't be can't be real life but like these are like oh these people actually know what what this is like. Like this is, this doesn't feel like fake Hollywood bullshit. This feels real, right? Yeah, and it's a uh, it's funny because, I uh, they're actually uh, exploitive <laughs> in like the uh, <laughs> in a literal sense. Uh, you know, if you look at uh, and I I don't think they were mean spiritedly uh, exploitive. As far as uh, the director and him scouting young actors, and uh, I think he uh, when when he uh, first met uh, Manzano, I think mm-hmm. Manzano was sixteen, and he is a he was already a prostitute, and he met him in a pool hall. Yeah, and then uh, and he uh, some of the other young actors. You know, he he met around as well, almost like a Larry Clark thing. Mm-hmm. 
you know, but uh, like less creepy. Yeah, I was going to say that it seems less creepy than Larry Clark already. (laughs) Yeah, very, very, very much so. And that's what I'm saying, because it has a uh, uh, it's it's well-intentioned. And I think Iglesia, you know, had it like felt the kinship. He actually became a junkie as well. Hmm. Uh, uh, from hanging out with all these junkies and um, you know but I think he was fascinated and probably even a little bit titillated you know by all the by all the young folks mm-hmm. you know running around naked in his movies and uh, their their drug addiction and like how raw they were and everything but for me when I watched uh, the the movies I actually had no idea that they were actually shooting up in the movies until when I read about it later. Uh, Cause like when you when you told me a while ago that like about the the cast and like the real life, then I assumed like okay maybe this they actually were doing heroin for real because like it feels it, like it, those parts feel kind of like a documentary, yeah, almost. And there's there's one scene in I think it was in El Pico too, where, I mean, it was it was excessive. It, it made me cringe. Oh, was it the uh, needle going in and out yeah. of the vein? Oh yes. my god! And I'm like, okay, yeah. that this is the worst. That that's not a special effect. That that a hundred percent has to be real. Um, and I mean, you guys know what we watch for our show i you know there's nothing Mm -hmm. that almost nothing that upsets me i literally like had to close my eyes during that yeah it's a it's a it's real and you know why what i i really like about the movies is they didn't they didn't overdo it like uh, we're gonna do one of our uh 26 movies from hell episodes it keeps getting moved around but uh, our episode c where we uh watch christian f and uh, you were uh, Joel. You were talking earlier about an after-school special. Yeah. Uh, Christian F to me feels like an after-school special. Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, it's really, uh, very, very like surface as far as uh, as the movie. I like the movie, but the, uh, the them getting into like real life of junkies and prostitutes stuff like that. It just seems glossed over, almost like a learn your lesson sort of thing. And uh, in in these in these movies, uh, you know the fact that they were actually using you know the the whole time and actually in injecting the whole time, uh, you know finding out about that later when I rewatched it, uh, I took a little closer notice of certain things, and like uh, uh, the movie the movie uh, Bad Lieutenant. With Harvey mm-hmm. Keitel, that that scene where he is uh, uh, he's getting injected and he kind of nods off, mm-hmm. you know. So it's very dramatic, and uh, and same thing with the Christian F stuff. A lot it, of the it, wasn't Zoe Lund actually getting high in her scenes? Uh, there's actually a clip I shared on Twitter where she talks about that, and no, uh, she. Oh. She said that they, I'm not so sure because I've heard some of the, uh, some of the uh, Ferrara stories about her 
And uh, mm-hmm. one of them, a uh, famous story was uh, when she was writing, uh, when she was writing Bad Lieutenant, she was really strung out. And like uh, she would pass out and uh, Ferrara would actually inject her while she's passed out to wake her mm-hmm. up. <laughs> so, Jesus. yeah, some pretty, some pretty gnarly, gnarly stuff. And this is where, you know, the, where the fascination with this sort of stuff, like Dan, I, we've talked about, I like movies that psychically attack me. Yes. Yeah. I also like movies where, uh, they bring you into a world where it's almost like a bardo. Like it's a, a hell rea- realm, like a hell reality. Yep. You know, uh, just because luckily I haven't experienced that a whole lot in my life. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, being able to experience that a little bit through these movies and just kind of getting like a, a vibe of like how fucked up and dangerous it was, you know, uh, makes the movies interesting, mm-hmm. you know. I, I, I will try to be vague, vague about this, but I, I have a. Fr- I haven't spoken to this friend in a while, but we used to smoke weed together, and then he started doing coke, and he changed, and uh, I, I noticed a difference in him that I didn't really like. And like watching this movie, like it, it's a different drug, but like this part of it's like, oh, this kind of reminds me of my one friend who I kind of stopped talking to when he. Uh, he can start to get a little out of control. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, uh, you know, I think uh, it's uh, a lot of people I knew, you know, were like that. Uh, there were some, though, that were really entertaining when they just started, like, losing their mind a little bit. From Like, I had one friend that uh, just took acid constantly. And then all of a sudden he showed up with, like, a 28-page poem. <laughs> like secret secret codes in it and stuff. And he's like, hey, he's like, he's like, hey, man, I, I really want you to read this. I think you would understand this. And then, uh, yeah, and then I just said, yeah, yeah, this is bad. But yeah, j- drugs bad. Yeah, and, and then when in excess when they when they take over. Yeah, uh, Joel, yeah. you've been quiet for a while. Do you have any input on this? <laughs> this topic no (laughs) no okay no 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 i don't i definitely don't have any drug friends i mean i was freaking drug friends hey would you like to be my drug friend (laughs) (laughs) uh i'm i'm the only uh illegal drug user i know oh (laughs) really and it's only illegal depending on which state you're in and whether or not you think the federal government should or has any real enforcement power. Over it. <laughs> right. hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, since... Uh, uh, yeah, okay, Joel, so since you watched your first movie, what is the story of El Pico 1? So, a couple of high schoolers... One whose father is a chief of the police force in the area, and another one whose father is a, poli- a liberal politician, uh, just <coughs> start off. They're dealing, I think they're dealing pot, 
so they can make money to buy harder stuff. He, we just kind of followed them around, and we are mostly focusing on the son of the cop. And he, he has a mother who's dying of cancer slowly, you know, so that's, as you would guess, that comes in later. And him being a, a legal drug user and his father being, a, you know, chief of police or whatever, that's, I mean, that's a pretty big joke, ain't it? Yes. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Their lives start to spiral as they get into heavier and heavier stuff. Originally, they were like, oh, we'll never shoot up. And of course, eventually, they start shooting up. And at some point, they are. Somebody. Something really exciting happens, but it puts one of them in a spotlight. And so their opportunities for selling drugs are no more at that point. Oh, uh, the cop's son saves his dad and becomes like a national hero. I appreciate you saying that, but I was trying not to spoil it. Oh, okay. I thought you were, I thought <laughs> you were getting to that. Oh, it's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Your, your listenership mm-hmm. is probably a little different than ours, but I tell Dan, uh, anybody who listens to our podcast deserves to have the movie spoiled. <laughs> so... No, we, we also assume that people are going to watch the movie before uh, right. this podcast. And I know that's like, it's just not the way for some people, like myself. And I assume the people that are like myself sometimes just don't care what the movie is. They also don't care about being spoiled. Right. I was just being cold. Cool. Okay, and I'd like to apologize to the other people on this podcast. All right, I feel a lot of regret over my decisions. It's, it's, oh, it's a, it's all right, buddy. It's uh we all make mistakes. You know, you know, Spencer, Spencer call Thunderbird. Okay, here, I deserve whatever I I'm gonna. <laughs> Anyways, so at some point. Uh, the preacher, the preacher's son, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the chief of police son, tries to break out of um, the the drug habit. Tries to go straight, and he is just, he can't handle it because his mother, who is dying of cancer, has morphine in just the just the room over. So when he the first chance he gets the opportunity to, he takes the morphine for most of the bottles for himself. But he is immediately caught by his father when he comes home from work. Then he rather than stay in a house and have to be enforced, he he wants to get clean. He wants to he just knows he can't be in the house, so he goes and stays with this artist friend. I'm sorry, I'm taking a very long time. This is an ADHD thing. Um, <laughs> stays with this artist, and I said friend, but he's just... A, I don't know what the, the relationship is more complicated. Yeah, like, the, the, they, they fuck sometimes. That's kind of all you get, really. Some, yeah, uh, sometimes for money. I got and, the feeling sometimes for fun, too. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Right now, the situation... And we see him go through the withdrawals, and and he's uh, eating clay at one point, and uh, 
he makes it through. But he still wants nothing to do with his father or his his parent or yeah, his family. And at that point his father and the other boy's son, the liberal politician, like can you believe these two are gonna be detectives together? No. Um but they go around looking for each of their sons. Both of them are missing. Or was that later? Jeez. Jeez, jeez, jeez. No, I remember. <laughs> I skipped an entire part where police station and things... Listen. <laughs> they get clean just long enough for them to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and get hooked again. Yep. And that spirals to them not having money to get the drugs that they want, almost, you know, breathing in this brown crap probably would have killed them. And at the point where they're at their most ridiculous, you almost think like, okay, once again, they're going to be like, this is not us. This is not good. Instead, they, they choose the opposite, which is like, we have to admit we're just... We're just junkies, and we might as well live our best junkie life, so... <laughs> right. Yep, yeah, the, the cop's son goes and gets the gun that the cop just leaves out for anybody. In fact, at one point, it falls out of his pocket in front of a bunch of ladies. <laughs> um, I've had that happen before. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think it was symbolism for the fact that he can't get it up anymore. No, I don't know. <laughs> it's a, for me, that's every, everything is symbolic of that. Very true. I'm kidding. I don't. That's not true. And I, I have witnesses. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, Dan, are you a witness? I've I don't, I've never seen a thing. Okay. <laughs> when they uh, go away. Yeah. No. Oh, anyways, you can't join. They actually go and kill this couple that is part of the story, but I skipped over. And then they get 100 grams of heroin, and they decide to have a heroin a thon, which inevitably ends with one of them accidentally injecting themselves with a bubble of air and the, and the heroin, which starts to cause him to have a blood, uh, blood blockage. Aaron yep. Long, right? And then his hand, this is the part you were talking about, which also freaked me out, is like hand spasming so that he pulled out his own blood, but also more air, and then was pushing it back in, helpless not to do so. And so he kills him. He's dead. And yeah, we all learned a valuable lesson. <laughs> Great. Well, and the, and the uh, cop and a cop gets rid of the evidence because he loves his son so much. And they play that music. Where it's like, yeah. <laughs> now you guys have uh, now you totally left out uh, the best part, which is Andrea Albani. Uh, Betty. Yes. Yeah, she uh, is so fun and lively, but also it's like, oh, you're, you're bad for these little for these boys. Oh yeah, she said she gets him hooked on heroin. Uh, it has like uh, crazy threesomes. 
And um, I think they're regular threesomes. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I told you what happened. That happens when I get involved in that stuff. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. Yeah. But the uh, but her her character though is uh, I love I love that character. I think if you would have taken her out of the movie, mm-hmm. it I don't know it would have felt quite a bit different. It would have felt more after school specialist. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Just more like kind of uh, tragic plot twist after tragic plot twist. Yeah. yeah. But with her in it, it's like fun time. You know, let's like not have the horrible, uh, terrible things happen. Yeah, it's like you when know? she, uh, it's like the and the first one in particular. Whenever she's like, "Hey, let's shoot up," it's presented in this very sexual way, where like the right. boys have this like this stare, like a naked lady. Once I have a naked lady, it's like she's gonna do heroin with us, and it's like it's it's very. It's, uh, striking how they chose to how Eloy chose to like uh like sexualize uh like the drug use over actual sex and nudity. Right. It's like she was a representative. Uh, Dan, I'm going to sound like a cinephile for a second. Oh, all right. Uh, she was representative of the seduction of 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 the drug life. You know. Mm. So she was. Uh, by having her be so seductive and sexual, I think he was almost expressing that part of that life, you know, to, to, with that character. That's that's my take on it. How about yeah. how about that? I like it. Yeah. Um, but I really liked her character. I would, you know, what I don't care if they're shooting up. I I'd still want to hang out with them for a night. Yeah. I believe she's one that died from AIDS. Uh, Andrea Albani? Yes. Or HIV. She died shortly after Manzano died. Really? I did not know that. Uh, I think she's the one. God, now I'm Yeah, it looks like she died in 94. Huh. And, uh... You have to go to this, the Spanish Wikipedia to find this stuff and translate. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, this is the most, uh, dead... Uh, young people like set of movies we watch Dan <laughs> right there's a often it's it's so funny oftentimes I'll watch a movie and I'll really like a movie and then I le- start reading about the production of it and then the director and I'll find out like the director died tragically like uh, Bell from Hell Dan yes another another yeah. Spanish where the uh, the director died during the filming, and he fell off of the uh, one of the sets. So it's like I, like, and and I'm like, I love this movie, and then I reread all this fucking horrible stuff that happened. And so, you know, I don't know what it is, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I always talk to Dan because I'm used to it because I've been doing a podcast with him for. <laughs> For six years, but it's not that I don't want to say. I just don't feel like I, I don't feel uh, at ease enough to, yeah, be able no. to say. Yeah, uh, This was cut out of uh, the Grumpire episode I did uh, last year or two years ago. But in episode, at one point, I <laughs> I do an impression of you going, "Hey, Dan." <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
uh, LB or Andrew Hover. Why, and, why do I sound like I'm like a, in deliverance? I don't know. But Hi, they, Diane. They cut it out of the episode. So, oh, tragic. Yeah. Why? They probably assumed no one would get the joke except for like 10 people. <laughs> 10 of the most important people that they've ever met in their life. Yep. How about that? <laughs> I was upset they cut that out of the episode. <laughs> I'm glad we're hashing this out now. <laughs> yeah, she, so Andrea Albani, uh, who is wonderful, she died of acute, uh, God, a menin, almost, I think, meningitis. Okay. Um, I'm going to see what the hell that means. A condition that causes stiff neck. Yeah, so it's like a meningitis seizure. So that could have been brought on by drug use. But, you know, I was assuming that she she was one of the, one of the few who made it out of these productions alive. Uh, seems like uh, uh, Dale Glacia, uh, Glacia is the only one who seemed to make it out unscathed. And it, it should be, we didn't mention it yet, but he was uh, an out gay man. And these movies right. have a very queer sensibility. Like, they're, they're, there's a very fluid sexual, uh, there's a, a very, the, the sexuality in these movies is very fluid. Even yes. if the characters use homophobic language, like, like they will still, like, fuck a guy. It still happens in these movies, and it's like, I find it very strange. <laughs> right. Yeah, because yeah, they're they're using uh, you know queer slang all over the place, and then they're just sleeping with each other. So, yeah. I have no comments, <laughs> you know, on this on that no. say on this section. Oh, yeah, I normally I, have something to say. I just I, I don't know what the deal is. Why I just I could have tried to at least dig something up. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I noticed like the 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 the. That the the gay slur showed up a lot in these movies. Pretty yeah. much any anything that uh, before nineteen ninety two, yeah, you're gonna run it in, run into that. Yeah, and yeah. like the first time I saw this, no, yeah, the first time I saw these, I didn't know what that word meant. And this time watching is like, since I know what the word is, like holy shit. They use this a lot, and there's an almost of our movie we covered uh, earlier, where they use the word a lot. And first time I saw that one, I was like, I had no clue this how flagrantly that word is being thrown around. Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a word in Spanish that I I had heard uh, several times before I knew exactly what it meant. I knew that it was something derogatory. Um, but you know, I didn't know if it meant uh, asshole or or what. You know, um, but yeah, then you you find out what it actually means. You're like, oh, well. Yeah, but uh, like one thing I really like about these two, and we'll get to the second one uh, soon enough, is yeah. that like these seem to like I like I don't know how uh, if, if how much it was intended or not, but it seems to be like a critique of toxic a critique of toxic masculinity. Maybe because like the the fascist cop dad is always talking about be a man, stop being a coward. You, have to, you need some, you need gross of cojones. 
Like, oh, there's this constant yeah, yeah. talk of, like, you have to be a man, and he's, like, yeah. a fascist cop. Who Then that's, like, the ultimate, you know, like, type of guy who would be obsessed <laughs> with you have to man up. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think it's... Uh, it's interesting. That's an interesting part of the story. There's that scene where they put him in the uniform, uh, and uh, you know, because ex- he's expected to follow in his dad's footsteps, basically. And uh, but this was a a period where like that old way of life was dying, you know, yeah. and then the uh, and the youth was not accepting that old way of life, you know. So it's uh, that that made the movie kind of interesting. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the um the dynamic between between the father and the son, both both fathers and sons, and I really wasn't expecting that. I was expecting something um you know, a lot of times with these movies that center on delinquent children, the uh the parents are just almost like the parents from Peanuts. They're just a a, a wacky trombone. Um there in the background um but i really like the fact that uh you saw how this uh you know the heroin use affected the family affected the dynamic um you know like you were saying spencer you know he's sort of an an old school macho guy but um you know the fact that he was trying to you know save his son from this sort of broke that down at different points so you could see the struggle that was happening with him, um, you know, and then you know he's also a, a lawman, and you know he's go he's got to you know go against that. So there was a lot of those kind of complex relationships that um, were different than what I was I was expecting. Uh, J Dog, any thoughts on the like the masculinity uh, angle stuff in this movie? I mean, it was obviously. Did did you see it? Did I see the movie? Like, I did. No, no. Did, did you? Am I? Am I? Is this a stretch to like to see us as like questioning like masculinity and like macho machismo stuff? Oh yeah, I, of course. I, I mean, no, that, that's what the movie's doing. Okay. It has, it has no interest in this straight man. You know, it's he's a caricature of what masculinity is in in ways. You know, drinking, bragging about yeah, first times and sexual things with other people, and yeah, expecting yeah, you're gonna go in the army and you're gonna grow the exact same mustache I have. <laughs> <laughs> By the by, the way, at the last part where the 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 main guy decides that he he's gonna they're gonna have to go rob that drug dealer and his wife, and I really thought he was gonna go back to his family's home and put on the suit and the fake mustache again and go get some drugs <laughs> from the uh, from, yeah from the drugstore thing. <laughs> Uh, I, I, oh, we didn't bring this up yet, but like, to me, this has the first one has one of the most ha- uh, most harrowing, like fucked up things I've ever seen in a movie, and it's obviously fake, but like it's 
the implication of what happens just like it, it it's like it just upsets me in a way that like nothing else really gets to me except for one other movie that i won't say what the movie is because i don't want to spoil a moment in that other movie but um the scene where i think it's the, f- the first time you see them meet with the drug dealer and the and the babies no not first time but when the baby's there yeah, so that'd be like at least the second time because I think she's pregnant the first time, and yeah. she's you know she's she's saying oh I need a fix I need a fix and yeah. he's like no you can't you're pregnant. Yeah, and like when she gives the baby heroin, oh it was like so, that was so fucking disturbing. Yeah, yeah, and and the two boys are sitting there like they're first like that's fucked up, and then they're like eh who cares it's we're not involved in this, and then she was yeah. like Jesus Christ is. Everyone in this movie is 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 too far gone. Yeah, that that was that was definitely one of the, um, yeah that that apathy that they had, you know, where they they are so far gone. Like even seeing something like that doesn't uh, snap them out of it, you know. I mean that is one of the most tragic scenes uh, I might have ever seen in 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 a film, and. You know, they're just like, oh, well, doesn't bother me. Well, you don't see that a lot in uh, movies about junkies, is like all the kids and stuff. You know, because yeah. there's, uh, you know, at home there's kids, so they're like part of families, and so like actual real junkie life, there's like kids everywhere. You know, having to deal with this stuff. You know. Yeah, but uh, it's always sort of glamorized a little bit in the movies, where it's like rebellious junkies causing trouble. <laughs> right. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I I thought this would be a more cheerful topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Oh uh, well. Let's see. Uh, the other thing I really want to bring up about the first one. Okay, so Joel, what for you works with the first El Pico? That's kind of difficult to say. I mean, I I did like a lot of the interactions between between the son and the the dad was a cop, and you know I I don't know it just it, it had the stink of realism but also the stink of uh, over top over the top and that i don't know i don't know it's it's just something you ever get that feeling like there's just something special about the movie you're watching and that's yeah what worked for me i don't know what to say yeah you know what you you know what you're doing right now joel is you're employing the fundebergian principle ah uh, yes <laughs> Where the, uh, you know, it's sometimes a film is best left unanalyzed mm. and just uh, absorbed and enjoyed or, you know, experienced. Mm. So that's uh, that's the heart of the Funderburgian principle. Mm. There's a lot of Funderburg talk on the show. <laughs> it's a, it is, a, I mean, there's a little bit on our show, but. It's an unusual amount for this show. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, if he was on here, we wouldn't even get a chance to talk. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, though? That would be the best thing for us all because we would be learning. 
Yeah, yeah. Like part of fun of having having him on a show is like, oh, this is like you know a college like professor lesson oh, yeah. on film. This is great. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but and it's he, more like a college professor lesson where it's like if you're like in a huge auditorium with like three hundred students, I imagine him in the uh, auditorium like that, and you're like whispering to the person next to you, and then he like calls you out, and then <laughs> and then. And then gives you the, <laughs> gives like just talks to you directly for the rest of the, uh, for for the rest of the class. I think that's just you, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that, that is. Did you have something to the, share, Mister Cornish? <laughs> yeah, that is the uh, that, right, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that. That there is probably the source of 90% of my suffering, Dan, the fact that I see the world this way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, on a scale of 1 through 10, start with you, J-Dog. How upsetting is El Pico? <laughs> I like this question. I mean, for me, it wasn't... You know me. I don't know. Part of my soul's dead, so it wasn't that upsetting to me. Like, Like... Like you said, the the parts that made me not upset, but like the hair on the back of my neck stand up were the baby, the pacifier scene and also the ending needle scene. So. That's yeah. not a number. 13. What was the okay. original question? <laughs> uh, how upsetting between 1 and 10? Oh. I just thought you said how upsetting was it. Nope. It, so, okay, so it's like a three, two? Okay. I I actually like this idea of a of a numerical scale of upsettingness. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I think I'm going to use it, like, in for reasons other than just uh, film, <laughs> film analysis. Like your like trips just, to the grocery store. Yeah, I just like I'm just standing in line going nine, nine, nine. <laughs> uh, honey, uh, on a scale of one to ten, how? No. Yeah. yeah. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I can like just saw this. Do you? Uh, well, this is for everyone. Do you think that um, the implied threesome and this like was an inspiration for um? Itumama Tambien. Uh, yeah, I th- I think so. I'm I'm sure, the movie was, it, it they were really popular in in Spain. Yeah. 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 The, but uh, outside of Spain, not so much. Yeah. Do you know what's funny is uh, generally before we do any podcast, I go onto YouTube and try to uh, steal a bunch of uh, thoughts and comments from other smarter people. And um, <laughs> that's why he always accidentally says, don't forget to click like and subscribe. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and uh, one of the things I did, you know, I, I was I was looking for some kind of video essay or review from somebody else uh, for this one. They were all in Spanish. And yeah. there's tons of them, you know. So. Yeah. And we did. We did the same thing when we talked about Iglesia. I was uh, yeah. making the joke that I glean information from listening to the podcasts before the show yeah. and uh, I said there were no English speaking podcasts 
on on the Iglesia. It, hmm. But there was like twenty four Spanish ones. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I it's a, the, so it's a. It, look, it's uh, definitely a new. I would say the uh, interest in his movies is fairly new. Uh, I looked up articles or essays on 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 these movies, and uh, I only found things in Spanish, nothing in English. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, I think us uh, the the west western, I guess, uh, or whatever, the outside of fucking Spain. How do you say that? I guess I'd say I, uh, well, yeah. I'd imagine it's just it's probably, uh, dis- discovering uh, disco- just discovering. <laughs> The work and, and this has a lot to do with uh, a lot of these uh, revival, you know, houses, uh, DVD companies, you know, putting together collections and stuff like that. Uh, I think it is Severin. It's Severin has the uh, Iglesia. Yes. So there's a lot of people who buy a lot of Severin stuff. So they just will buy this and learn about it that way. Now, which you which know. films of his are on the? You said there's a box set. Yes, uh, El Pico one, two, and uh, Navalleros. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, those are some good ones. But it right now you can find it. It's bananas. Yeah, if you're interested in a director, you can find so much stuff. You know, like most of their work, usually. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, there's. Occasionally, I'll run into something where it's hard to find, but it's very rare these days. Yeah, uh, well, uh, try finding African films from before 1990. Uh, right. Quite a few of them are just <laughs> pretty much impossible at this point. Anyway, um, uh, Brad, Dan, scale of 1 through 10, how upsetting is El Pico 1? I would say the, the upsetting parts... <laughs> are very upsetting but you know this isn't like a a uh, journey through a hellscape you know there's there's ups and downs uh to this whole movie and there's actually like you know i think we were talking about like little nice family scenes and and redemption arcs in in some aspects so i think overall it would be like a five but you you have to go through a couple of really hairy, uh, hairy elements. Yeah, and I, honestly, I'll have to come up with a different word because mm-hmm. I just don't get upset <laughs> by by stuff. Not even like it, the it, the needle part at the end. No, nah, yeah, it, it's it's weird. I just don't get. It's good because it opens up a whole world of things that I can explore. <laughs> Without uh, concern about being being freaked out, but uh, yeah, I I just don't get freaked out by stuff. It's weird. Huh. Uh, the the I don't know up, upsetting. You know, I think the upsetting thing where I can judge a movie by being upsetting is if it lingers with me. Hmm. You know, like where I have like a, a bad vibe for like a week. You know, there's been a few movies like that. Like the first time I saw Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. It put me in a bad mood for like two weeks. Mm. You know, it's like freaked me out. And it's like, it's not any specific thing or image or whatever. It's just like, uh, 
exploring like a dark vibe, you know, where it sort of sticks with you. And the, these movies had a little bit of that, but uh, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I would say I was not disturbed. Okay. But, I'd, say, uh, no. I'd go three but, or four because the, the baby scene is really haunting to me. Like that that's the one part I was like I don't want I don't look forward to getting to this part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was really, that was tough. I'm not as big a fan of babies though, so it doesn't really <laughs> didn't really also, bother me too much. You know they didn't actually give that baby uh heroin, right? I know, but it's still it's it's very upsetting. Does okay. this, it's a baby. Yeah. I I thought it was a baby too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyway, so Joel, recap El Pico 2. Okay, so it's a completely different kind of movie. This time the X-Men show up, and suddenly the Gundams from space show up with their new hosts, the Power Rangers. All of them are doing heroin for some reason. Um, no, I didn't see part. You know for a fact that... Yeah, I know. That's a, that's a joke. Yeah, yeah it's a good... That's pretty, that was a pretty good joke, actually. And that was a... a and Joel, that was an excellent response. Yeah, Seamless. I loved it. Yeah. I, I could tell, All right. tell uh, when he's trying to get me. Uh, uh, Dan, I think... Is this, <clears throat> this the first time watch for you, for these movies? Yes. Okay, then you recap um, quickly-ish uh, part two. Okay, part two... Um, I'm horrible at recap, so this is going to be very vague. But basically... Um, after after the first movie, I'll try not to interrupt you during your recap. <laughs> Thank Dan. you. I, I, I love when you don't interrupt me. That's great. Um, I just I, I sometimes on our show will interrupt Dan at, at, for at sort of a humorous part of the show where I will interrupt him while he's trying to give a synopsis of a film. It's really fun. Yep. Anyway, so in El Pico two. Um, the the main character. Uh, I'm not going to do that gets, on your show though, because that wouldn't be cool. No. He gets back into heroin, um, ends up going to jail. How often would you say you actually do that on your show? <laughs> Every time. Oh. Every time. I'll, I'll like, Jesus, Dan. I don't know how many episodes we're up to now, but like it's a two, bunch. Two hundred. Close yeah, to two hundred. Yeah. And I think it's a hundred percent interrupting rate. So yeah, we're on a streak, man. It's awesome. Yeah, let's try not to do that in this uh, no, show. Let's, if we can. Yeah, no, we we can't we can't do crossover like that. Yeah. So he ends up going to jail, and lo and behold, in jail there's also drugs. So he hooks up with a drug dealer in jail, and they form like a little drug gang, and they fight other drug gangs, and then they break out. And it becomes kind of a crime action film at this point. Uh, they're going on all sorts of different... Uh, they're stealing right. drugs from people all over the place. and um, it, It's pretty nuts. And all the while, the dad is kind of uh, you know, trying to find the son again after he breaks out of jail. And um, Yeah, that's, that's the long and short of the movie. Okay. And uh, I, 
like your comments earlier about like this is a uh, like a good movie but doesn't like fully work uh like i kind of lean that way like the story part i love that the story wraps around where um uh, paco becomes the new um drug dealer that the one he killed from her first movie like it seems kind of cheesy but like that's kind of how like it's all cyclical like it's yes like you, you know um like you know like well he's not gonna become a cop he's not gonna be he's not gonna have, have a career in the military like that's just not how his life will turn out right yeah but yeah he and betty become the 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 parents of that of the baby from the first movie the, they're drug dealers and i i i'm kind of with you like i watched that and i'm like it this this is kind of cheesy but it also works and the same thing with the um, with the father. You know, it, at the end there's this there's this big uh, you know confrontation, and the father goes into you know arrest him, and things go wrong, and that kind of upset me because like I like I mentioned, I did like the the story arc from the first film, so I I. I didn't like the fact that they kind of took these characters and put them through the ringer again. You know, I, mm-hmm. I liked the first film, uh, the way it ended and, you know, I, I was kind of done with it and I, I thought the, you know, the characters could, could go their, their own way. Right. But then to bring them back and then for the middle section of the film to, like I said, it was, it was like an action movie in in some spots you know it really had a very different tone um like you guys were talking about you know like an after school special uh you know there was that family drama aspect to the first film this one really you know there's machine guns and robberies and you know all sorts of capers going on and that all of that is done very well and it's an interesting story but I just don't see the perfect connection between these two films. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it was a year later, so part of me wonders, like, uh, there probably wasn't as much time to consider stuff, and they're probably, like, trying to think, well, where can this go? And yeah. an end point has to be he becomes an, the new, like, drug lord who worked with the police. Because it's it's yep. revealed in the first one that the drug guy they work for is an informant for the police. Like what was the, that guy's name? He had a cool nickname. I can't remember it now. Like El Guapo or something. Yeah. Brad, you still there? El Cojo. I am here. Oh, okay. You've been uh, kind of quiet, so I, I thought something happened. Oh no, no. I'm just uh, I'm just listening. Yeah. All right. So. uh yeah, no, like, I'll I'll join in. I yeah, I just uh, yeah, I'll I'll jump in at some point with and say some dumb stuff. Okay. Yeah, like the second one really leans into police corruption, and that which I appreciate. Like the second one really f- feels like uh more of like a leftist movie where the first one right it definitely yeah. has that has those parts to it, but the first one is more like 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 Joel, you said after school special. 
but second one is like leftist heroin user movie that's also not as upsetting but it's i don't know it, it's kind of strange yeah yeah i think it has a different uh the uh the first one seems more genuinely tragic you know yes okay and uh I think uh, I was looking at the timeline, and actually, for whatever reason, I was thinking Caligas, probably because it was the last one I watched, uh, was the uh, followed uh, El Pico and El Pico Two, but it actually came before. Did that uh, come before Navieros too? Uh, no, I think uh, it was Navieros uh, first, and then. Uh, and then pals with uh, Caligas. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, and but the uh, Caligas, I thought, uh, felt, definitely felt like a an after-school special. Okay. You know? I, I didn't watch that one. But, uh, so that was probably my le- least favorite of the, of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he, um, you know, just looking at the timeline, uh you know, uh, I think uh, the movies are are interesting, obviously, but I I also think the story of Iglesia is interesting. You know, and the fact that if you look at his, uh, he he didn't he didn't pass away until two thousand six. Right, he's pretty pretty young still. He's like sixty two, um, but he didn't pass away till two thousand six, and. He stopped making movies in 1987, and uh, he didn't make another movie again till 2003, and a lot of that has to do with how strung out he got. Uh, so he ended up, uh, he was a heroin addict, He's and uh, he, uh, he did say, though, that... Uh, um, yeah, so he did uh, kick at one point, and uh, that was when he uh, made that movie, but then he died like three years later. <laughs> yeah. Which is probably a lesson that, I mean, just don't, just don't quit. I mean, just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's, you end up, it's pain in the ass, probably, mm-hmm. you know, getting unhooked on dr- drugs. Yeah. And if you're just going to end up dying anyways a few years later. So there's, you know, that's what I, that's my advice. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, well, the, one of the recent, <laughs> one of the recent, um, a mode of our movies, uh, pain and glory, which is autobiographical. If not, if you, know, I'm not sure if you guys have seen that one yet. I haven't, I haven't oh. seen it. Oh, um, yeah, uh, basically Antonio Banderas is playing a motivar, and there's a Antonio Banderas surrogate in it where uh, it's like it's actor he used to work with a lot, and they had a romantic relationship at one point, and uh, it's just kind of like this slice of life, kind of like um eight and a half ish type of thing. Okay. And uh, there's a, a segment where he gets addicted to heroin briefly, where he starts t- doing heroin. Which makes me wonder, like, but this is like a mode of our now. So, like, a man in his sixties and seventies who started doing heroin. Oh wow! 
Yeah, which uh, as far as far as I know, it doesn't seem like Amovar has it's like taking over his life or anything because he's still productive. He's still making movies, but uh, yeah, this is uh, a little a thing I kind of just remembered. Yeah, and it's it's funny because uh, back in the old days, people would get uh, addicted to heroin more for for fun, but now. I think a lot of it stems from uh, people having opiate addictions. And then, you know, so if I hear somebody like that's 60 that's starting to do heroin, it's, I'm guessing it might be like, you know, uh, probably stemmed from an injury, getting, gotcha, getting medication, yeah. you know, yeah. and, then the, and then at some point they say, we're not going to give you any more drugs, and you got to go find them. Yeah, I, th- I think it was just like for recreation, and in pain glory it was for recreation. Hmm. But uh, uh, the in LP Co two, there's a point where he and Betty are living in an apartment in Madrid because they specify they're leaving the city where they were before. Yeah. And uh, the the corner, like the square where uh, you see Paco go to. I think that's the same square in "Time Me Up, Time Me Down" that um, that uh, Antonio Banderas goes to to get oh, drugs. Okay. Wow! It looked very similar. I know I've seen it in in a in a our movie. I can't remember which one. Okay. So maybe it's like a known. Uh, yeah, like I get the feeling it's probably. Area. Yeah, I get the feeling yeah. it's those people know it's kind of sketchy down there. Yeah, like like Needle Park was. In- 60s in New York. Yeah. But, uh... Oh. Yeah, those areas, that those are scary. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I was watching this, uh... I was, it's totally off-topic, but... Uh, there's this uh, new drug called Trank. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, uh... Basically fentanyl with, like, a horse tranquilizer in it. Oh. And it's, it's horrifying. It, like, uh, causes, like, your start getting like leprosy and like when people are on it they stand they're standing up and like totally bent over and mm. it's it's just the most bizarre thing but there's uh uh there's uh i think it's vice or something like that did an episode on it okay and there's this, this whole like street just like standing in place like totally hung over like if like if your head is dangling almost like to the ground Okay. They're like bent over. It's really creepy. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. So those areas scare me. Stay away from those areas, kids. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. I have some friends that live in Portland, Oregon, and there's a part in Portland, Oregon called uh, Stab Circle, Stabbing Circle, where like it's just like fuck yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> That's where a it's great like name. yeah. Well, you know, but it, it's in the name. This is my favorite game as a kid, too. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to play Stabbing Circle? Yeah. Oh, let's see what else I'm trying to do. Okay, then, uh... Like, yeah, so 2 is kind of a, a, a weird... Uh, like, it's still good. It's also just... It feels like... Uh, this feels like he had other ideas. He's like, okay, maybe I should try these things. Yeah. <laughs> Which... But uh, which I, I appreciate, but uh, and it adds on to the sexual fluidity angle because you have the one prisoner 
who is trans and they uh the, the they have they have boobs and uh a penis oh, yeah. and balls yeah that's and nice chest hair yeah and chest hair like uh felt like you know clear like critique of like this like this doesn't work prisons are are fucked up and they need reform which yeah. I, I don't know i don't know if spain is as bad as the u.s i doubt it but it still came off of like this is pretty pretty fucking terrible if this is what prisons are are like here yeah most uh, most uh uh yeah most prisons are terrible no matter where you are in the world yeah it's because people just don't understand uh, the societal ills and how to take care of them yeah so they did they take the stupidest approach possible and there's a famous prison that used to be a prison it's not active anymore and i live in delaware in philly that i've been to mm-hmm. the one that has like the the guided tour that's uh narrated by steve buscemi okay. i don't know i don't know why he why he was picked to narrate it but it's pretty cool because you can just walk through and it's like he and in his like kind of nasally like uh <laughs> weird voice you hear him talk about the history of this prison and it was like the most hardcore prison in in the u.s in like the 1800s hmm. wow yeah what's yeah, it going so, to be lately though huh i don't know i didn't understand you there <laughs> well, so, what's it done for me lately though oh <laughs> You know what, though? If I had to go to prison and I was able to pick my cellmates, I'd pick you guys as my cellmates. <laughs> Once again, uh-huh. I'm not I'm not getting in this three-way. I don't know <laughs> why I have to say this again. No, it's nothing nothing sexual whatsoever. It's just because I think he'd be kind of fun to hang out with in, in right. a prison cell. Okay. Uh, I, I'll... We'd play a lot of... We'd have a lot, a lot of lively card games. <laughs> Uh, interspersed with some friendly some friendly uh, low key wrestling (laughs) Uh, but seriously that would be fun yeah Uh, what else was there Um, oh yeah and like the the character he runs into basically like in prison the dude I forgot his name but like basically he's Han Solo more or less oh yeah yeah the guy he's like uh, is he a football player? Uh, yes, <laughs> a football player. No, but so Han, this is, Han this Solo. A, he had a nickname like Elen, Lenny or Elena. Something like that. It was really long, and I, I didn't pay pay close enough attention to pick up on how you say it. Yeah. But like his whole thing is like that. Really seems to be like oh now it's a leftist political movie, and the heroin stuff is kind of just there, because it only really comes into play. When he first he first comes back, and Paco is like, "Hey, uh, cool, let, let's shoot up," and then he fucks. Um, then the friend fucks uh, Betty in front of Paco, but Paco is so strung out he doesn't even notice or, or care. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's like I don't, know, I don't like overall. I don't have as much to say about the second one besides it's more exciting, I guess. But. It's, yeah, yeah, but then the whole reveal at the end of like, you know, he becomes the new drug dealer uh, kingpin in the area. Yep. Which again is like, it's appropriate for the story, but at the same time, it just feels 
I don't know, sometimes the second one just doesn't fully connect. But I right. still really enjoy it. Yeah, like like I said, I I think if it was not a sequel, I would have liked it more. You know, right? Or or if it was just a spiritual sequel, and you know, you could have had you could have still had, uh, let's say, the two main characters from this second film uh, wind up as you know drug dealers at the end, and um, you could have. You know, if you're a fan of of uh, these uh, Kinkei movies, you would have said, "Oh, you know, you you can see the the parallels there, and it all ties together," without it being a direct, you know, the same characters. So that for me, that probably would have worked a little better. Um, and like I said, I, the the thing that really sort of bothered me was you. You law the the character of the father. He seemed to just totally regress back to that you know caricature <laughs> of uh, cop masculinity that we were talking about before. All of that that uh, growth that he had in, during the first movie was just gone, you know. Um, and it was it was odd too that it was a different actor. So I don't think that helped. Um, no, that didn't help. That didn't help at all. Uh, and the you know, not to say that the 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 other actor did a bad job. Um, I think for the the script and the story, I think he did exactly what um, needed to. You know, he needed to do. But in the first film, the father, you know, there was, was there was a subtlety to it, and and you you yeah. really kind of believed that. Um, you know, behind that that hard facade, there was there was a softness for his son. Almost like uh, I don't know if he ever actually did tear up, but you could you could sort of see like that glint in his eye, where you know that that love and affection for his child came through. Um, none of that was there in the second film. It was just like what? I'm the dad, I'm the cop, I gotta get the son. I wonder what the I wonder what that's like getting that from a real dad. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have enough time for this, Bradley. <laughs> Oh, Joel, you don't even know because you don't listen to their show. But uh... wow, way to rat me out! <laughs> Wait, just just to sum up, Joel, Bradley doesn't have a dad, and he's really sad about it. Yeah, oh, sad. Like a baby. <laughs> I, had, I had a dad, like originally, but he, yeah, he had, he just wasn't around anymore at one point. Mm. But I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> As long as yeah. you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I still don't know what it's like to have a dad that loves you. Yeah. <laughs> What's it like being a bastard? No, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> I wish it was that easy. No, that's actually me. Oh, damn. <laughs> <that's>... <laughs> yeah, my yeah. father actually, I left before I was even born. But I don't cry about it on podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting that you brought it Damn to it. Uh, why is Darren being a fucking asshole all of a sudden? This is this is my part of the shtick. Anytime you mention not having a dad, I, like I, it. I find it hilarious. Oh, yeah. 
But I, uh, but you know what? I'm a I'm a serious cinephile here, so I'm going to bring it back to the film. Ooh, okay. The uh, film. So yeah, the, the film. film. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, the the father uh, character was definitely uh, a much more sympathetic character in the first one. Yeah. So I would I would almost like Joel. I think he might have done a good thing by just watching that one El Pico. You know, the other one's a g- is good, you know, especially if the first El Pico didn't exist. But yeah, if I were to recommend to people to see one movie, I would th- say El Pico uh, of his films. But if you are so inclined, I would watch everything that he's directed because it's it's all interesting. Even Caligas, which I didn't like as much, it was still okay. interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what else is there? Uh, was there? Th- uh, yeah. I'm. Um. Uh, yeah. Nothing else besides <clears throat> these are on Shutter and streaming other places right now. So take advantage of that. Yeah. And um, it's a. I think it's really impressive of Shutter. They're doing this every once in a while. You yeah, know, they had. They, yeah. they did the Lara stuff. Uh, they had a whole bunch of Lara stuff on a yep. while back. Which really isn't horror, except for vam- vampires. And then liquid um, sky. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. your favorite liquid sky. Yeah. Wait, did you like that? I can't remember if you told me or not. I, I liquid. It's so fascinating that I can't not like it. Okay. Right. Because I know the uh, the one person you talked to about it probably loves it. It it's, uh, seems like a her type of movie. I I really don't like it. Oh, no? And I don't know why. I need to watch it again. But I think that just being... Coming, coming of age in the 1980s, when there were certain things that just seemed like so overtly trying to be like new wave or mm-hmm. punky, that sort of bothered me. Around gotcha. that time. Okay. Yeah, so it just to, because I was a little fucking asshole, basically. <laughs> uh, uh, Bradley, I, I know I, I listened to you uh, on that one episode, Elby and Andrew, where you talked about why you don't like uh, Boingo Boingo. Right, right. <laughs> it's the same and there's thing. a, but it, it really it's all it's all personal experience because my problem was the jocks at my high school like doing Boingo Boingo for some reason. And they're they're like my mortal enemies. <laughs> Jock, the jocks are. And so, yeah, I just uh, yeah. Okay, well, uh, I I don't. I've already talked about my dad. Now I don't want, <laughs> want to talk about the my the this where I was just I had so many issues in yeah. in middle school and high school. Yeah. And listeners, if you're keeping track. This is the second episode we talked about a movie with full frontal penis. <laughs> the next episode we're recording is a 1930s movie, so uh, pretty sure no penis. Yeah, the only full frontal will be if you decide to not wear pants while you're watching it. Yeah. <laughs> right. It, it's a Bette Davis movie, in case anyone's wondering. But which one? She made a lot of movies. Yeah. Hmm. Or and it's 40s. from the 1930s? Or 40s, I can't remember. 
It's 39. There, okay. It's um, uh, uh, the uh, podcast debut of... Uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Jake Lindberg, who's... I've I always... Yeah. I, it took way too long to ask him to be on the show, and I felt. Oh, bad. Jake's gonna be on. Yeah, he's nice. gonna be on uh, like five episodes a season. Really? Uh, because classic Hollywood is something I don't know very well, and he knows it. Oh, Jake's Jake's yeah. one of the uh, yeah. one of the nicest guys on the planet. I would want him to be in our cell <laughs> in prison as well, Jake. Yeah. All right. For sure. All right, so uh, first we'll go around 1983 movies. I'll be quick with mine. Uh, one is Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, the Oshima movie. It's a one, the famous one. It has David Bowie in it. It's a World World War II prison camp movie. That's pretty gay, actually, because it's wow. It comes down to there's a, a, a Japanese officer played by the composer of the movie. Um, what is? It's kind of probably trying to remember his name. Uh, uh, Sakamoto. He, he like he's a a top tier like world famous film composer. He did mm-hmm. and uh, high heels uh, a Motorar movie in the nineties. And uh, and that officer basically falls in love with David Bowie and there's other stuff that goes on. But it's a very sweet touching movie and it's Beat Takeshi's first film, I believe. Oh, wow. Or okay. one of his first films. And, uh... It, it's a Christmas movie, kind of, sort of. And, other 83 movie is Breathless, the good version. Oh, you saw it, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's getting a Blu-ray I, re-release I, from... I forgot who was covering that recently, or just watching that recently. I can't... Somebody is talking about it. Uh, probably Anthony, um, uh, King... Because I, I told him I uh, the the gear okay, one yeah. is really Oh good. yeah, it was it was him. Yeah, he did watch it recently. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, Vinker Syndrome or someone like that is uh really releasing a Blu-ray of the the good version, the gear version. So uh, I hope more people get to see the glory of the good version of Breathless instead of that crusty old boring one from the sixties. <laughs> <clears throat> That's it for my Excellent. 83. Nice. Should I go next or do you do you want to you two? Um I I mean the obvious one for me with this if you want to do a pairing would be uh Suburbia. Right, mm. uh, you know another another film about you know derelict kids. Um, it's directed by Penelope Spheris. Um, it's got uh, Flea in it actually as a as a young uh, yeah. young lad. Uh, he's he's pretty good, but you know it's it's a it's a good movie. I think it it, it does a good job depicting um, you know sort of outsider kids um, with. With no parents and no uh, no place to go, um, and how they kind of they band together and and make a little uh, society. So that's a great one. Um, I mean, other movies from '83. 
I don't want to steal any of I, I I'm looking at my list of 83 movies and I know I know some of the ones that Bradley loves um, so I don't want st- I don't want to steal angst from him. it's okay it's okay it's okay Dan but angst angst is a fucking great oh, yeah. film um, <laughs> from 1983 that's uh, fucking amazing yeah some of the best um, Jeez, you know, like you, you want to talk about like a terrifying movie, um, disturbing movie. That that is is definitely up there. Um, yeah, but I mean, and, and a lot of the other movies I love from this this year would be like Star Eighty. Um, that's a fucked up movie. Uh, I watched a, a bunch when I was a kid, and uh, yeah, on, <laughs> as a, as a, on a happy front. <laughs> yeah, well, I did. I actually, I was thinking about this because I got, I just got the Galaxino um, poster uh, from our friend over at Westgate, uh, Christian. And I was thinking about the first time I watched Star Eighty was when I was like fourteen uh, with my parents. I, I don't know. Jesus, what, what the fuck were you doing? Well, Why was, were your parents? What? It was on. Now I'm kind of glad I didn't have a dad. <laughs> it was on like. It, it, it was on regular TV, uh, like Channel okay. Eleven. Okay, so like Channel Eleven would run movies, and I remember watching. But they, yeah, so they probably cut out a lot of the. Oh yeah, yeah, all the stuff was cut out. So they were just talking about how like she was a Playboy centerfold and she got murdered and and, um. Yeah, I didn't watch like the the unedited version till like later, uh, when you know when I was probably seventeen or eighteen, but. Um, that's a great movie. Um, yeah, that's about it for me. Well, I got a couple from 1983. Would you guys like to hear them? Let's hear them. Okay. The, uh, first, first one is a, uh, Spanish film, uh, City of Pirates. That's the other one I was going to steal from you, so. And that's uh, oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So that's a uh, Ro Ruiz, and it's a uh, uh, you know is it is it Spanish? Um, I think it's French, but it it throws some. I don't fucking know, Dan. It's a uh, made by a guy, <laughs> but last name is Ruiz, and it has something to do with Chile. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's a it's a surreal film. Yeah. Uh, wonderfully <clears throat> surreal. Uh, have you seen this, uh, youngsters? Um, no, but I think that's one of the movies. Okay, it is a Ch- Chilean filmmaker. Fuck. I think that's one of the movies. I didn't want to get in trouble. That, uh, I feel like that's one of the movies that Cribs mentioned he might want to cover. I can't remember. Yeah, he might. I, yeah. I I think when I was tweeting about it, he was he was uh, checking in with me on it, you know, to ask me uh, where he found a stream or something like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's it is a little difficult to find, but watch it, you know. And if I can, you know, it's in a, it's not from the same year, but in a glass cage uh, would be a good partner for City of Pirates. For some reason. Mm. So, okay. But there's less child murder in it. Um, 
so the uh, uh, the other film from 1983 I just recently watched, and it's from uh, uh, the director is Rosa von Pronheim, a German director, and it is a kind of a semi documentary, a musical. Uh, it's set in Berlin in 1983 and it's uh, uh, drag queens and uh, transgender uh, transgender people uh, in Berlin at the time mm-hmm. and um, it's it's one of those uh, documentaries it's not really a documentary but it is kind of a documentary because he's uh, do- documenting you know the players in the scene at okay. the time and uh, it's just, it's really shoddy and haphazard and not very well put together. But it's just fascinating uh, seeing the, uh, being like in, involved with this lifestyle, you know, uh, that, that was captured at the time. Wait, what was the name uh, of the movie? Uh, City of Lost Souls. Didn't I okay. say that? No, yeah, City of Lost Souls. Uh, no, that's it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, it's a 1983 City of Lost Souls. Uh, Rosa von Pronheim and it's uh, Jane County's in it. Huh. So very, very heavy on the Jane County, Jane County. So it's uh, it's it's pretty interesting. So, but I think that because it's sort of diving into a scene. Yeah. You know, and uh, that you weren't that I wasn't part of, and uh, not unlike the uh, the Spanish heroin prostitute scene, which I was not a part of as well. <laughs> yeah, so those are my two 1983s. I think I did all right there, Dan, don't you think? I liked it, yeah. Okay, good. I, I check in with Dan every once in a while when I'm feeling nervous about <laughs> <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm saying. Okay. So uh, Joel needs to give us two. Um, from 1983. It's just, just no. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. Yes. Okay. So, uh, I feel like. We must have gone over this a couple of times, 1983 stuff. Everything looks familiar or sounds like something I've talked about. So uh, it doesn't really matter. Who's going to go listen to all the previous episodes just to find out whether or not I have repeated a selection? Uh, yes, that was a challenge. <laughs> I did yeah. it just right now. I just listened to all of them right now. Oh, man. That's weird. <laughs> So I do know all all this. So I will know if you repeat. I don't know. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. So but, uh, okay. Um, I would love to hear the the, the two nineteen eighty threes from you though. Oh, uh, they're they're gonna be incredibly. I I don't have any not well known movies that I actually like. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, so, it does make total sense. I want to talk about the dead zone. Because I don't think I ever have before. It's a pretty mild That's, for a David Cronenberg movie. Oh, it's a great fucking movie, though. Mm-hmm. 
it's got that there's something about it and the score and yeah the the way Christopher Walken portrays his character they make you start to feel paranoid while you're watching things you know it's of course the he would come off as paranoid if you didn't know that he was having these visions of the future especially uh with the, how the way the movie right. ends but uh, yeah, it just this movie just gives him a reason for acting so fucking weird all the time exactly <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Has he been normal in a movie? I don't think so. Okay. I was trying to think of one. Uh, maybe Joe Dirt. Mm. <laughs> Is this a popular film? It's, uh, it's a movie. Uh, Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and like when it comes to Stephen King adaptations, uh, I. It's there, way up there as some, far as like, I'm concerned. Really awesome ones, and then there's just a lot of mediocre stuff. And, but this one, I'd say, is on the, the awesome side, at least for me. Mm. Yeah, top five, I think. Mm. And the yeah. second movie I want to talk about is something that we like to talk about on this podcast. It's a little movie called Breathless with uh, yes. Gene Hackman. No, wait. <laughs> <laughs> you already talked about Breathless, so I can't do that one. You can't you can imagine Gene Hackman in the Richard Gere role. <laughs> um, I don't know if I want to see him naked. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Breathless. Speak, speak for yourself. Yep. <laughs> I, uh, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> can't get enough of this Silver yeah, Surfer they... guy. Okay. Uh, no, so I guess I'll... Okay, what else have I seen that is a movie? They're all stupid. All these movies are stupid. I'm stupid. <laughs> you know what problem I had with, with picking a movie from 83 is so many of uh, the the movies I've seen from this year were the movies that I saw when I was, like, eight years old. Mm. Yeah. So, like, uh, you know, Krull, Strange Brew, yep. Uh, yep. Never Cry Wolf, Hercules with um, Lou Ferrigno, mm. like, Mr. Mom. That Like, that is all that my letterbox is, is, like, the movies of my childhood. Mm. My, my now, if all of yeah. those movies, if the characters were junkies, <laughs> uh, then that would have a tie-in. Right. Yeah, if I had to pick the one that I had seen the most out of the bunch, it is probably. It's crawl. It's obviously crawl. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I I could bring it up all the time, and I used to have this thing where I just got this weird itch, and I was like, for some reason, I'm gonna watch. I I want to watch crawl. And I'm always disappointed at the end. <laughs> like, yeah. God, I'm never going to do that again. And then, you know, six months later, you know, it sounds good. So crawl. Yeah. It, like, it has so much things. It has a lot of things to like, even though some of the stuff just looks absolutely cheap by today's oh, sure. standards. The score is incredible, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, <clears throat> like, certain, you know, the character of the cyclops and 
Mm-hmm. And even the concept of like this, the monster that is the the space being there, which is once they get into that whole part of the story where he's running around in the space guy's castle, it yeah. like, gets a lot grosser. Um, and well, and there's an amazing part with a gigantic spider too. Yes, that is freaky, but is excellent. Yeah, I love that flick. Yeah, it, it's not as good as the sword and the sorcerer, but it's pretty good. <laughs> I, I forgot one. Uh, Battle of Noriyama, the Emamora movie. It's the one where Emamora replaces incest with bestiality. Finally. Oh, Whoa. give the people what they want. Yeah, it's um, it's Emamora, so it's upsetting, and humanity is depicted as being the worst. But uh, it is. I mean, he's not wrong about it. But uh, there's a a toe scene where like a toe gets mutilated and her teeth get fucked up in it. It's it it uh, but it's it's a memoir. So like, if you're into the vibe, mm-hmm. uh, you'll like it. If you're easily upset, then uh, or sensitive, I say don't watch his movies because they're uh, he he. Uh, he doesn't try to be uh, nice about anything. Everything is kind of upsetting and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, and unfair. But that's kind of the thing of his movies. It's like humanity fucking sucks. That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of I'm the moral of, of Kroll also. So, uh, what are we at? We're at the part where we think the guests or something? 84. 84? What are you talking about 84 for? El Pico 2 (laughs) was 84. Oh, well, I didn't know I had to pick a 1984 movie. I didn't watch that movie. I got two of them. Then don't pick. I I have one. Hold on. Let me look for a second. Okay, uh, Brad, you can go first. Uh, my, My first film from 1984 is Decoder. Oh, yeah. Are you guys familiar with Decoder? Uh, no. I Decoder. Am. So that that's another one, Bradley. That like you've you know you've talked about, and I'm it's I've try, I actually tried to watch it one night, but I can't remember what was wrong. I think it was because I was sleepy, and because it's, it's a movie I had to read, and that never goes well. Yeah, it, it's a uh, yeah. It, um, Christian F. stars in it, so yep. that's there's the junkie tie-in, and uh, but she is starting it as an actor, and uh, not as Christian F. Mm-hmm. But it's got uh, uh, Genesis Peorge is in it, William Burroughs is in it, uh, William Rice, F.M. Einheit is in it, and uh, you guys are. Are familiar with this gentleman, correct? Uh, yeah. The uh, Einstrauss and New Button. I uh, get I. his work with them, and uh, he's a musician fella. Mm. But it's a really good uh, a paranoid film, and it's uh, uh, it's it's awesome. Mm. So it's kind of like. 
when I say I'm not a huge fan, I need to rewatch it again. Huge fan of Liquid Sky. Decoder would be like the type of movie that is, you know, far out, you know, like early 80s far out Mm -hmm. that uh, I enjoy. So, yes. It's very German movie. All right. I like it. Yeah. And then uh, my my, my other one Mm -hmm. uh, from 1984 is Crimes of Passion. Knew it. So, yeah. Yep. So you stole one from me now. Oh, I did? Yeah. Oh, you fucker. I thought you'd say Razorback. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't. I wouldn't say that movie. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry, Bradley. (laughs) It's okay. I've been going too hard today. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know what? I I enjoy it. Okay. I do, uh, but the uh, yeah, crimes of passion because it's uh, uh, sex addicts mm. and uh, junkie and sort of like all the shit that goes down there. But it's a such a great fucking movie. I love that movie. I saw that movie a bunch when I was uh, when I was a young fella. Mm. You saw it in the theaters when it was released, and then the, one of the few videos I had on tape that I'd mm. watch a lot. I had a couple of Ken Russell movies on tape, Dan. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Gothic. Gothic. Which was uh, my date movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, mm. uh, yep. Okay. For me, I have, uh, where's it, where's it? Wander, Wanderers of the Desert. It's a film by Nasser Kamir. He yeah. is a Tunisian filmmaker. I'm a big fan of the three movies I've seen. He's made like maybe between like maybe eight movies or so, but only three have made it over here. And Wanderers of the Desert is just this kind of slow, poetic uh, movie about a, a, a teacher from uh, the big city goes to a small village that's kind of stuck in time. And uh, it's kind of poetic and mysterious and hard to explain, but it doesn't matter. It's just a beautiful thing. All the stills I've seen of it are really, really good looking. Yeah, uh, and I, I think the last time that you were on our show, you mm-hmm. re- recommended this. I've put it on my list. Yeah, it's a streaming currently. It should, it should still be streaming. But uh, yeah, so my other one... Um, and I also recommend other Nasser Kamir movies that are streaming, usually. And uh, that's part of the Desert Trilogy, which is movies about Islam and poetry. And you get this in like the desert, and like the desert uh, uh, photography isn't mm-hmm. scary. It's just presented as like the Sahara Desert looks beautiful and mysterious, and like I just want to like wander around it. Even though, like, it, it probably is scary, but, like, it just looks beautiful, and I can't... It, it's just something magical about it. Mm. All right, and my other one is, what have I done to deserve this? The amount of our comedy? Because right. one of the stars of it, Veronica uh, Forke, For, Forke, um, she died two years ago, uh, unfortunately. But um, she was in three of our movies kind of playing the same character each time 
because that's what he does. And, uh, yeah, so she she's really good in this, and uh, What Have I Done to Deserve This is kind of the last of the, like, John Waters-type comedies he was doing. And, okay. uh, it's, so it's, it's still kind of, so it's still trashy. But, uh, yeah, I just really like it a lot. It's one that a lot of people kind of forget the early ones are kind of trashy Waters type comedies. And uh, I wish more people would watch the old ones. The new ones are great, but the old ones are also great. Yeah, the old ones are are terrific. And the uh, also uh, a lovely song by the Pet Shop Boys featuring Dusty Springfield. Hmm. What have I done to deserve this? Hmm. That might be in the movie. I think it might have been inspired by the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, anyway. So what was the first, uh, your first Almodovar uh, Matador. movie that you started? That was mine as well. And, uh, but how did, how did you see it? Um, uh, Amazon, maybe? I can't remember. Cool. Maybe yeah, Criterion remember, uh, Channel? I actually, uh, I saw it at the theater in 80, I think it, I don't know, over here. Maybe it was released '88, something like that. I think it came out in '86, but I don't know if it was over here. I was able to see it that early, mm. but I re- I really enjoyed it. It's a fun one. Uh, well, for all of arts, fun I should say. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That movie is pretty fucked up. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, J Dog, what you got? '84. <clears throat> uh, what do I have to go now? What happened? <laughs> you can just skip it. It's fine. No, it's this is ridiculous because th- three of my favorite, mm-hmm. like favorite favorite movies, all came out this year, and I'm like, is this like one of my favorite film years now? And I didn't realize it. Well, Repo Man, Repo Ghostbusters. Man, one. Well, I wasn't even thinking of Ghostbusters, but oh. yes, Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. Streets oh, of okay. Fire. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Buckaroo Banzai. Oh Which yeah, makes me a, a basic bitch. I think now, but I don't care. Um, no one's gonna understand what the hell I'm talking about. Why are you <laughs> doing this to yourself, Joel? Shut up, Joel. Shut up. Um. So, the the one I always like to champion, usually from '84, is this like this movie called Mike's Murder, and. I'm not sure if it's a TV movie, but probably not. Um, I know that it was edited to hell, and um, not what the director or the writer originally intended. But basically, I think I just compared this movie to something else. the The movie is a woman tracing the steps of a man that she had a brief but passionate relationship with, and after he is murdered and going back finding who the last people they interacted with trying to solve this mystery herself and Deborah Winger is the woman who's playing uh, she's the one looking for the answers there and it's a story about a guy who um, oh this I was talking about during the Fassbender Binder movie Um, yeah you were yeah Mike is the kind of guy who 
made impressions on some people, but like was always trying to better himself and and really wanted to be an actor and stuff like that. And so when he got murdered, there was just nobody who had much to say about him, though, in the end. Like, who knew him the best? Uh, Paul um, Paul Winfield plays an openly gay man in the movie, and the actor himself was openly gay. So um, I believe he has said that, like, the role was in- very important to him. And his character comes off almost as taking advantage of Mike in certain ways, but he also had this deep affection almost... I think he even says I was in in love with him. And he took care of him the best that he could, but it's, you know, stepping forward, he, he knows probably... I can't remember if he knows specifically who did the murder, but he knows enough, And but he would put his whole reputation in danger just by bringing up the fact that he knew who Mike was. So... It's it's a really interesting movie, I and it the way it's cut. The first time I watched it, I was like, "This is terrible." And then I watched it two more times. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "Okay," <laughs> I thought this was terrible. But I watched it another two times, and I'm like, "I don't know, I'm super into it." But there's only been a DVD release of this movie, and I don't think the DVD is that easy to find. Um, I I wish somebody would pick it up on a specialty label and just release a like nice Blu-ray and maybe have some interviews with people. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Yeah, apparently it's for um, no, not rent. You have to <laughs> buy it on Vudu, but it's on YouTube. Honestly. Oh, uh, okay. I think I might have seen it a long time ago. Yeah, it just it rings a bell. Directed by James Bridges, who is not related to any of the other Briz. <laughs> hmm. All right. Uh, Dan, did he have an 84 yet? I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, so, kind of, uh, I was looking for tie-ins. Nothing direct. Um, I think the closest I came was Angel. Um, Ooh. I love which, it. That's a great movie. Yeah, and I would, say, I would say if, there, if there's a tie-in with that for me, you know, it's about, it's like a child prostitute, so, you know, you're, you're talking about, um, you know, the fringes, like we were talking about before, but there is a real uh, family aspect um, right. to the film. You know, you got Susan Tyrell in there, um, and there's just this gang of, uh, you know, people that are in Angel's life who really care about her. Um, which I, when when I we covered this for the show, right, Bradley? Yeah, yeah. And I I had never seen the the movie before, and I was really expecting something uh, kind of gritty and nasty, um, but it had a lot more heart than I expected. Oh yeah. Um, and I think that's I ex- the same with the first El Pico film had a lot more heart than I expected. So that's kind of the tie-in. Um, other than that, you know, this is another year where, uh, I think like you, Joel, so many of my favorite, uh, movies, uh, came out this year. Um, it, it's hard to like, not just go to, uh, Amadeus or Greystoke 
or Ghostbusters or anything like that. But a movie that uh, I saw a couple years ago that I really, it was such a weird journey, was Voyage of the Rock Aliens. Mm. Has anybody seen this? Stars I've heard of it. Yeah, it's a it's a trip. It it stars Pia Zadora. Um, oh, nice. And she was in a couple of the bananas movies. Yeah, this totally one bananas movies. is wacky. It, it has little aliens who who come to this like small town, and they want to know like what what rock and roll is. That's the premise of the movie, <laughs> and the aliens are are just nutso. Uh, and every, but I don't think that, I think the people in the town are just as weird. You know what I mean? It's like one of these things where everybody is heightened. Everything is like on the, uh, you know, beyond ridiculous. Um, you have Michael Berryman in this one as like this uh, chainsaw oh, wielding wow. um, psychopath. Some of the images where they're like, uh, they're like dancing in space or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so it, Fantastic. Oh yeah, this one is completely nuts, and I think it's one of those movies that um, I think it almost should be like a, a much larger cult uh, flick, you know, uh, sort of the way um, like Forbidden Zone or or something like that, you know, has has a really well known cult following. I think Voyage of the Rock Aliens uh, deserves that treatment. You know that uh, we are uh, what you call influencers, Dan. <laughs> uh, Spencer, Joel, myself, you. So I think we just uh, may have influ- influenced people to see, uh, what is it, Voyage of the Rock Aliens? Voyage of the Rock Aliens, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to watch this motherfucking movie. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Grindbend did an episode on it years ago. And they interviewed the band that did the soundtrack. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it has. This is probably going back four or five years. So gotcha. yeah, good luck trying to find that quickly. I, I'm not sure when exactly you covered it, but mm. it's been some time. Oh, it's before the um, like episode one one twenty one ten because one of the posts on 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 episode left. Not too long after they did episode. That's... <laughs> Traumatized. Got it. Uh, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, okay. So, yeah, that's it. The, the We're on Twitter under Sister Sewer Rat. Uh, I write for Grumpire on occasion. I have some stuff cooking right now that will take a long time because I always take forever to write stuff for them. Because it's, it's kind of professional, and I want to make sure it's not kind of sloppy, like my blogs tend to be sloppy. In my opinion, my blogs are sloppy. And, um, let's see, uh, I don't know, I'll be on podcasts or some shit, I don't know. <laughs> J, uh, J-Dog? I, I may also be on podcasts and some shit, I just don't know which ones those are. Apparently, you need to like communicate for two people to be invited in podcasting. Eh, I'm just so tired. <laughs> Anyways, you know, I don't, I don't got anything to report right now. Okay. 
we we are inviting you fellas onto our show. Oh, for uh, doing a uh, one of our uh, very high. It's a high cinephile stuff though. With our uh, we do something very complicated. We go through the alphabet, and then we pick a letter, and that letter corresponds with movies that start with that letter. What letter we, we watch getting? those movies and talk about it. Okay, you need to slow this down. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know what letter you're going to get right now, but it's it's going to be in the lower half. Okay. Okay. And it's not going to be one of the funny letters like K, where there's no movies. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Or Q. There's Q doing serpent and not much else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's great. You're, aren't uh, no. <clears throat> I was going to say cute movies. Don't they start weirdly with a Q? But I'm thinking of a PlayStation 1 game. Yeah, you is. <laughs> um, yeah, so you guys are on Twitter, uh, I, I presume. In other places. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, at Dan Pullen Books on Twitter. That's probably the best place to reach me. Yeah, and we have a... Uh, we have a Movies from Hell Twitter at 26MFHpod, and then there's also uh, Bradley Jake, at Bradley Jake Cornish, and I still don't know what to do with that, Dan. Eh. Yeah. But with the old account, it's there. But, uh, uh, hey, you know what? We have a podcast as well. That's right. And we have a, a website. And, uh, yeah, all, all that good stuff. Uh, our podcast is Movies from Hell. And we we have excellent guests on, like Spencer. Oh, we yeah. still haven't got to the point where we have as esteemed guests as uh, Joel, but uh, we're hoping to fix that soon. Yeah, I'm gonna have yeah. to. We're gonna have to book like a year in advance. I've just got a full schedule. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> and then the uh, uh, moviesfromhell.com is our website. It's a lovely website that is. I update with new content by the hour. <laughs> no, it's been months. Oh. and uh, But we do have our watch list from hell there. Which I update by the hour. Yeah. Which has... Uh, it's had a little over 500 movies for about two years now. <laughs> so, hold, uh, Dan, when, when that's updated, it's probably going to go up to like 700. <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we talk about a lot of movies on our podcast. Yeah, you guys have been on for a while. Okay, so for mm-hmm. coming up, uh, we are recording a bet, uh, bet Davis episode, uh, episode on, um, the, uh, I don't want to say the movies, but, um, the Hollywood Babylon guy, Kenneth yeah. Anger. Yes, the Kenneth Anger episode. We're doing our first musical episode. That means Alexandria will be showing up for Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. You mean the first movie uh, musical episode of this season? Yes, of the season. Starting with the one that you like, Joel, and then going to musicals that I don't know if you're if you're gonna like them or not. But we'll see. Alexandria, Alexandria is one of the nicest people on the planet. We love her to bits. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Joel, you're gonna say something about musicals or something? No, no, I said we'll see. Okay. Yeah, I know, because I know you love German for blondes. 
because it's a classy movie. Yep. Um, Giant Guitar episode. Uh, El Sir. Uh, it's a movie that Cribs want to talk about. I don't know what it is. Uh, still, I just know it's on the list. And um, Arsenic and Old Lace with Jake Lindbergh. But more importantly, the band, two members of the band Rat Bath, will be on an episode as of this recording. Oh, cool. If nothing happens. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I guess, like, I'd call them like queer country punk. Hmm. Uh, big fans of them. They have one album so far, it's on Bandcamp. Support their music. I love Arsenic and Old Lace. Uh, I've never seen it, so. Oh, that movie no, has a, on a, it actually, on the Disturbo meter that we were talking about, mm-hmm. there was a, at least one scene that I found disturbing, especially okay. for the period. I'm it's fucking, intrigued. It's, it's fucking amazing. Yeah. Okay. So J-Dog shut it down, and, uh. Theme music is by James Fell. Our logo is by Andrew Bargeron. You can find him as Jemetsko on Threadless, TeePublic, Redbubble, Shirt Woot Catalog, and T Theory. That is spelled G I M E T Z C O. You can find our show in previous seasons on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and other places where you can find podcasts.